Hey everybody, welcome to the Build in Public podcast. I'm your host, KP, and on this show, I interview world-class entrepreneurs, ambitious startup founders, creators, and builders on the internet who are boldly building the future in public. This podcast is my excuse to take you all on a curious journey to understand, learn, and hopefully be inspired by the worldviews, insights, and stories of these fabulous people changing the world. So far, I've gotten the rare privilege to sit down with incredible guests like Gary Vee, Alexis Ohanian, Kat Cole, Sahil Levingia, and many more leaders. So check out the full podcast listing at buildingpublicpodcast.com. Now buckle up and get ready for our latest episode. So in this episode, I'm sitting down with Luis Pereira, the creator behind AudioPen, and I'm using AudioPen as we speak to document the agenda of this conversation. So first, we're going to get into how he came upon the idea, how he built this, you know, some metrics, milestones, how he has been building in public. Then we're going to get into his uh, history as a maker, no coder, as a builder, how many previous projects has he built and all that lessons. And then we're going to get into his perspectives and predictions on no code and AI, which I'm sure he has a lot of. I'm also going to ask him about the way he balances his day job and this nightlife, you know, where he's from India and then he's builder in the night on the internet and the joy that he gets from building in public and the joy that he evidently exhibits as a maker building a lot of products in no code. I also want to get into the building public basic tips that he has, some lessons he learned, some non-obvious observations he made along the way, and uh, we're just going to have fun. That's the agenda. What do you think, Larry's? You ready? Yeah, let's go. I hope AudioPen picked it up clearly. All right, so we'll test it out. Yeah. So... This is the live demo of how AudioPen works. And we wanted to kick it off by literally just letting the tool do the talking. And so while this does the transcribing and summarizing, we're going to do quick pulse check. How are you doing right now? How are you feeling, Louis? This is what? How many weeks has it been since you started AudioPen? Since it launched, about four and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, this Today Sunday, is April 27th weeks, yeah. as we speak. Today is April 27th, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing good. It's been it's it's been extremely busy. I, I launched on on March 26th as part of of Half Day Build, which was like a 12-hour hackathon sort of thing. That's uh, right. That was your thing, right? You used to yeah. run these half to run these half yeah. days. I, I do I do them every two months at the moment. So the next one's in in May on the I think on the 14th. But all yeah, right, look, audio at, pen look at this. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Hopefully, you did a good job. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna read this out quickly. Exploring audio pen and no code with Luis Pereira. Wow. In this episode, I sit down with Luis Pereira, the creator of AudioPen. As we speak, I'm using AudioPen to outline our conversation agenda. Firstly, we delve into how Luis conceived the idea and built it while sharing metrics and milestones from his journey. Wow, it did everything. It captured all of it, summarized really well. The last paragraph is, lastly, expect insights in, on building in public, non-obvious observations, and just having fun throughout the conversation. What do you say, Luis? Are we ready? And so this, the whole thing, not only transcribed it, but it summarized it in the flair of Paul Graham, which is one of the presets yeah. that you have, and I chose that one because you know I, you can you Graham. can even at the moment you can even add your own custom prompts uh, and save That's them cool. to your library as well. In fact, I just launched That's that cool. this morning. And I saw what you had. Did you have Feynman, Richard Feynman? You have a I few do. other presets, right? Yeah. So depending on the kind of people that were using the product, I kind of built new presets. So I noticed that there were a bunch of academics using it because one particularly large academic account sort of shared it on Twitter. So that's why I added Feynman. There were a bunch of lawyers using it. Um, I'm not sure how they found it, but it, it got pretty popular among the lawyer community. So I added a, a preset called Ginsberg. And yeah, Paul Graham, just because I like the way he writes it. And it's oh, very Ginsburg universally understood. RBG. 
Wow, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's so legit. That's so awesome. Yeah. So anyway, first of all, now let's do the formal. Like, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Luis Pereira, long time. This is, I mean, I've been long time in the making. I think I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while and watching the last five, six weeks of you crushing it in public on Twitter and embodying all of the philosophy of building in public and just like, you know, being a great founder. I was like, okay, this is a great time. Got to pull him in. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Quite excited as well. So we go a long way, right? So everyone, anyone who knows you through AudioPan, we find this interesting that it was not just an overnight success story like you just didn't wake up one day and like all right here's the audio pen my creation to the world you fall into the archetype that we all know is the real archetype of being a founder which is you built a lot of products mini products and over the years then finally like you know this is one of your hits as we were joking about earlier can you walk us through you know what that journey was like when did you even begin you know taking building seriously? What was the inflection point that got you in? Yeah, so I mean, I've always been interested in making stuff. I think I started my first company with a friend, like a formal company with a friend back in 2015 in the real world, like in the non-tech world rather. Didn't do very well. It was a pretty rough experience. Is it a boring business? Like was it what they call like? No, so it was like a tech-enabled real world business. Like we were trying to build like real estate technology. Not not as technical as that, but but we were trying to basically build a platform for real estate agents and and homes, etc. Sort of like open door, but for the rental market. Went pretty far, but it was just a very, very intense industry to try and disrupt. You know, very entrenched sort of participants that don't really want to move very high friction from all sides regulation even the agents involved sold off that company after a few years not for much but for enough then moved back home so i come from a business family so always had that in my dna to kind of build stuff but again moved back home to the family business in like 2018 and that was again in the real world so it was you know we i still work there that's my day job uh, but we right when you say we, home you're in, in uh, i'm goa. in goa goa india so before goa, that i was yeah. I, I went to college in delhi started a company in delhi worked there for a bit yeah so i was there for about eight years and i moved back here in 2018 but yeah throughout i, I had only experimented with you know real sort of experiments in the real world and while at it i used to always experiment on the internet it's trying to build stuff there because it seemed like the friction there was a lot lower you didn't need too much investment or permission to just get started so i mean because of that i tried to teach myself how to code uh, and i failed a, a bunch of times and then i started using no code tools this is again way back in like 2015 16 but the tools just weren't as good you know you couldn't you couldn't really launch and earn stuff online it was very hacky that changed somewhere in like 2020 i think when things started getting better and i remember joining the the on deck no code fellowship which is what you know where we met where we first met the one that you had had hosted in i think 2021 it was yeah i joined that purely because i was like okay let's get back into the space it seems like things have grown and i wanted to get you know to the bleeding edge of wherever that technology had reached and at that point my goal was just to find the one tool that would you know, be this bleeding edge and learn it. That was it. Like, don't make money, don't launch anything. Just figure out how to learn this one tool, whatever it may be. So after doing some research, I figured it was Bubble uh, at that time. And I think it probably still is. So yeah, that was my goal. I remember I joined ODNC and launched a, like, retrospectively a terrible product um, at like the demo day. But <laughs> I learned Bubble. Remind me product again, remind me. It was called Builder Bio. So it was like a oh, LinkedIn yeah. bio tool, but it was like very, very basic. Dude, like and that was terrible in retrospect. But at the time, it was because 
because there was an explosion of LinkedIn bio tools, and I remember using it myself. I think, right? I, I feel yeah. like uh, that. No, you 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 used a, a second iteration of that, like a few months later, I think. But this was like it's the first con- version. We call Creator Link. This, this was Creator Link. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's the one. I the, the one I the one I built during ODNC was was called Builder Bio. That was a, that mean, was like a predecessor, which was terrible. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's you know like that's how like it's, it's always fascinating to me when you know like the. It's almost like it's like a curse. The first products have to really take that beating, you know, yeah. so that the next evolution can come. I remember, if you remember, I built something called Writers Compound, you know, before I joined on deck. And I had like a grand total of 40 writers on there, you know, which is ridiculous now, which is a sign that maybe I shouldn't have built it. But at the time, I thought that was 40 was grand, you know, total amazing. Yeah. And I spent two and a half months on that, recruiting heavily writers. I think I brought you into, you know, in early 20. We had a conversation about this. I think this about was, that. this planted the seed for another product I built later called Read yeah. Something Great. You did something uh, great. Yeah. So, I, yeah. and it was terrible. Writers Compound was the worst thing that I, I mean, one of the worst things that I built, but it taught me so much about bubble. And so, I mean, I learned sort of all of the nicks and nacks about building in bubble and so on because it's the first real big product that I built. What happened though is within a month, the traction wasn't there. I like lost interest. COVID hit. I lost my job and suddenly I'm an employed, fun employed. I was like, okay, what the heck? I'm just going to build something called Kappa, which you know Kappa. Hmm. And I completely repurposed all of the backend and all of the bubble you know, infrastructure from Writers Compound into this new thing, like sign up, sign in, all the flows, reset pass, everything. And so within a day, I could go live Whoa. because of that previous shit show you know so it's like it's often and kappa was the runaway hit like right away i knew that this was a great one you know but oftentimes it's funny how um, everything you build like it adds up to something it's even though it's hard to see in the moment yeah i mean and there's no way to predict what will be good yeah. or bad like that's one thing i've learned like i've i don't know i've launched quite a few products in the last two years rather at least 10 i would yeah. say more than that but at least yeah. 10 like most of which have have not worked out i, I think there are a total of maybe four, three or four that might have worked as well as I wanted them to. So there's two points, you know, about that, right? There's two lessons from, just two observations to make about what you just shared. One is it takes a lot of iterations and bad products and hits. I mean, like a lot of mishits to get to the hit, like a product that really works. The other thing is it's almost impossible to know which is which. So my question to you is, <laughs> as the builder, like, do you know, like, how do you know when you're about to launch an idea, when you're about to, like, execute or take an idea and turn it into, you know, uh, a project? Like, what is your narrative in your head? Like, do you know, like, oh, my God, this is going to be the thing or? No, I mean, to be very honest, I think that, like, the top two products I've built that, you know, that have been hit so far, like one is audio pen and two is read something great. Yeah. And both of those were accidents. Um, like neither of them were like ideas that I thought were, you know, oh man, this is going to be great. Like read something great was basically, I wanted to build product hunt for writers. And after we had a conversation about, you know, building a marketplace being hard, I said, okay, let me just, instead of building product hunt, I'll just build like, I'll bootstrap supply, you know, find a bunch of good articles and see if I can get demand. And if I get demand, I'll open up the supply side and build product hunt for writers. But I just happened to get so much demand that I was like, okay, I'm just not going to change this. This is great. Yeah. So, I mean, that was an accident. Audio pen was a complete accident as well. I was basically just looking at all the AI hype online and being like, okay, man, I need to at least figure out how to use this. Like, I don't want to build anything of value. I don't want to ask people for money. I want to figure out how to use OpenAI's APIs. And my earlier approach would be, you know, launch a bunch of websites separately. I mean, I was tired of like 
buying domains and and creating new bubble plans and paying for all of them on a monthly basis so i was like okay let me just repurpose all of this into my own website so i, I build one personal website on bubble and i build what i call on my website tiny tools uh, right. but i just build like multiple small tools um, that live under the same domain so i don't have to worry about you know starting from scratch buying a domain or building a new bubble plan or whatever it is and so my goal that week was just let me build a few tools using ai and learn how it works right just a few fun tools so i built one which was a bot that kind of talked like Trump. Ooh. I built a, I think it was a cocktail generator. I built a, a thing that would explain stuff to you like you were five. Um, basically, you could tell it an age that you wanted it to treat you like um, and explain whatever it wanted. I wow. built something that would let you learn via analogy. So you ask it a concept and it'll give you an analogy that explains that concept. Um, wow. Audio Pen just happened to be another version of that. Like it was just a tool that I wanted to learn how to use the Whisper API with, which is OpenAI's voice transcription API. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just build a tool that lets people talk and transcribe what they say. And then let's see if I can do something fun with the transcription. Why not just, you know, summarize it in a few words. So I did that and it was just launched with absolutely no expectation. It was just this tiny website with maybe three lines on the entire thing with like one box. And then people started messaging me and sharing it and like commenting saying, oh man, this is amazing. I could use this for this and that. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like what's going on here? Like, <laughs> And it just so happened that half day build was like a week away from this point, roughly I think 10 days to a week away. And I didn't really have a very strong idea of what I wanted to do for half day build. I mean, for, for listeners context is like, I host an event called Half Day Build where a bunch of builders get together and we kind of try to take ideas from scratch, like from an idea to revenue within 12 hours, whatever the idea may be. Yeah, so I didn't have an idea for that. I was flirting with another idea, which was like a productized service. And then oh, I yeah, said, I remember, like copywriting or something. Right? Correct, exactly. So then I was like, hey, you know, I don't know if the product size service will work. Let me just launch that before Half Day Build and then launch Audio Pen on Half Day Build, like rebuild Audio Pen from scratch as its own thing. Is it always um, so called I, Audio Pen? Even yeah, it was called, I didn't put any thought into it. It was just called Audio Pen on my website. It so happened that AudioPen.ai was available when I went to buy it for Half Day Build. Yeah, I mean, it's, then I was like, okay, let's just launch it in 12 hours. So the, when you first launched it after that Half Day Build or during the Half Day Build, I think that was the first time you probably put the revenue page, like a pricing page like a lifetime deal, yeah right yeah was it was 19 dollars then 19 yeah and was it instantaneous like the feedback on like people buying it right away yeah so i mean i think i did something that worked quite well which like was a again a sort of accident where i asked people to like before i launched the thing publicly i asked on twitter just like folks who wanted to be like beta testers and like there was already interest around this tool because people had seen it on my personal website as a as a tiny tool and i had been like tweeting throughout the day for the day of half day build so kind of sharing progress talking about you know where the where the things reach what it looks like what sort of features it has etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I had a bunch of people that were following along trying to see if i could get from idea to product to revenue <laughs> so when i asked for beta testers like i just got a bunch and obviously the website at that point was like password protected and stuff and while they were testing it i was also you know adding the payment link which was like a 19 dollar payment for a lifetime deal at that point and yeah a bunch of them bought it like i didn't even have to ask I, I, they were just beta testers and they just picked up the lifetime deal and yeah i shared that on twitter and then like more people bought it after i removed the password and stuff and yeah it's been a it's been a good ride so far i mean i've been it's pretty crazy ride, right <laughs> and, and so tell me where we are right now so that let's say that half day bill was the first day you got the first revenue figure inside like in your you know like first paid customer and 
you were saying earlier before we record start recording that you were at what 450 yeah 500 560 something 560 so. paid customers dude yeah yeah that's I pretty crazy man like i I've, i've earned a lot more in a month than i i would normally earn Just, okay in. if you're i know you're open about that is it about 10k 15k yeah yeah um, close i mean little, little higher but yeah not bad <laughs> not crazy bad right <laughs> yeah And, and and I think it's important to you know it's important to appreciate that and cherish and relish that because both of us know we've been broke before with yeah. products. Like I remember like building so many products that had zero dollars. In fact, some of them of them actually cost me more money to build and put it out there than any revenue I made. So yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's like people think that it's it's like you know one hit. wonder i mean that's true but like to get that one hit you need to keep on swinging right like i was just thinking about it the other day like i had to shut down like seven or eight bubble projects last yeah. like a couple of months ago because i was like man i can't just keep paying 30 dollars a month for yeah. all of these yeah. each of them when like no one's really using them like what's the point so tell me about this lewis who joined my audience one i think you were on, yeah you were in the first cohort tell me about this guy 2021 january I remember like literally I feel like when when we had that one on one first before you got into ODNC you were at ODW or you just did ODW yeah, yeah. which is the writers cohort and I knew you through I think Max who's the guy who ran the writers cohort and I was like okay let me talk to this guy you know this other Indian builder from Goa let's talk to him and I felt like towards the end of the conversation it was like I was I really desperately wanted to get you into ODNC cuz I sense that builder energy, the founder energy I'm like I don't all I remember is I don't know if you felt that way but I was like I was begging you to join <laughs> I was like you got to get in man like cuz to me the first cohort sets the culture sets the tone you know and also it's not just the first, it's the kind of people that I want to be surrounded with who are builders like doers you know not just like opinions and talkers and you had so much of that energy and so tell me about this guy that what would he think if he found out that 3 years into two and a half years into this he has a product with 560 customers I think he would be surprised that it took that long to be honest cuz <laughs> cuz at the at the start everything is like all rosy you're like oh man I'm going to just build products you know but, but also, hit after hit about, after hit Okay let me let me, let me also ask goindiehackers.com see how many people there are bitching and whining about how they don't have one paying customer how many people are there are like oh i built something and oh, there's nobody wants to buy it yeah. or why is marketing so hard or why is revenue so hard and they're so like i feel there's so it's so much and i just in the hackers.com not knocking on them i'm saying there's so much of envious energy if someone mm. gets a hit instead of appreciation energy you know and saying like oh this is possible you know so what yeah. it took one half years right who's yeah. counting yeah for sure i mean if some other guy in bali did this in 3 weeks does it mean that that was a better i think it's I it's think it's, so. it's just the curse of of how media works right like if you yeah. if you have a win it gets kind of blown out of proportion but like the losses aren't really advertised like if you think <laughs> right. of successful products there i mean it's no matter how small they they still follow like a a power law sort of distribution yeah and the media just sort of picks up or whatever the stuff that gets amplified on twitter is just the point or maybe not point but like the top 5% that people kind of blow up and everyone else feels like oh man why am i not there but like right. all these people that have built anything of like whatever that that's that's grown more than they expected most of the time they've built like 20 other things that just did <laughs> right like yeah. and this is nothing like the, the success that with that this product has it's nothing it's not even scratched the surface yet like right. it could go 10x it could go to zero i have no idea um, right but like i'm grateful that i've got here because like i've basically been scraping the bottom for so long i yeah. the, the fun thing is or like the interesting thing is that to be able to get a product that you know is a success in at whatever sort of level um, yeah you have to be able to keep scraping 
you know, scraping away without getting bored. So if you don't genuinely enjoy the process of building stuff, yes. you have to then rely purely on luck to get a hit. Yeah. Which means you have yeah. to get it in like your first three swings, um, which right. is whatever, unlikely, but you could get lucky. But if you like the process of actually building, designing, whatever it may be, this doesn't apply just to building products. I mean, it applies to most things in life. You just like, then it doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah, I mean, your bank account will suffer a bit, but you're still having a good time. I mean, as long as you're not going broke and kind of selling your house to keep doing this so, stuff, it's it's fine. So I'll tell you a funny like anecdote where three years ago, like, you know, I, I do journaling, right? Every day. And I, I've been doing this for, like, I think, five, six years now. So every day I have like a little ungrateful journal and like all this thing. Anyway, I remember for three years ago, 2019-ish, before I joined on deck or before I like, you know, anything happened. Every day I would like scratch, like almost to the end of the pens ink, I would write, I, my intention is to become a SaaS founder and have 10 paying customers. My intention is to be a SaaS builder, 10 paying customers. And it was like, in Atlanta, I would go to these meetups and I would hang out with a lot of wannabe aspiring entrepreneurs. And so many of them didn't have 10 paying customers. They've had other fancy things like business cards, logos, you know, like a fancy tagline. Some of them even had a pre-seed round, but they didn't have 10 paying customers. Objective 10 pay, not like friends and family. And I once pitched an investor in Atlanta, which I, who I appreciate now, but at the time he gave me the tough medicine advice, which is KP, you have so much energy, you have so much all this, you know, positive traits of being a founder, but you're not doing the hard thing, which is asking for money, but not like begging for money. Like, you know, like genuinely putting a pricing page. So you're digging around, you know, like you're like navigating around the thing that really matters, which is revenue, the ultimate test. Will somebody pay for this without any obligation? And it really hit me like a wave. And I felt uh, that, man, I, I spent like say seven months on a startup like you, the previous startup. I spent like seven months in zero dollars in revenue. And I'm like, okay. So that's why this, the 10 paying customers was a really big deal for me as in, you know, whether it's a SaaS or whether it's whatever. So April 1st or April 2nd this month, I had 22 paying customers. Oh, I wow. woke up suddenly and then I built this. You know, you, have you seen the leader bird? Leader bird, yeah, yeah. Nobody gave a shit. None of my friends wished me anything. Like my wife didn't care. Like my fellows, the audience, uh, the uh, like Andek friends or even the building public fellowship friends. Nobody cared. They're like, congrats, thumbs up, happy. In my head, I'm exploding. I'm thinking, you guys don't realize how much this means to me, you know? And then I realized, I asked one of my friends, like Chris Strobel, if you know, you know, from Audiency also. Uh, Chris is now part of BIPF. And I said, Chris, what the heck did you not care? Why did you not? You, you wish me happy birthday, but I couldn't give a shit about my birthday. This <laughs> means a lot. For three years, like pages and pages, right? And he said this thing. He said, KP, you transcended that outcome. You became the person for whom these things are normal and expected. And I realized there's a lot of wisdom and profound truth in that, where when you're seeking out something, when you're writing down, like, I want this, I want this, I want this. The real hack is trying to say, I intend to become the kind of person for whom these things are inevitable and, and, and like normal. Yeah. I feel that's how I feel about you. I felt about you before on Audio Pen blew up because you already became the person for whom these kind of things are normal. I mean, so I, don't, I don't know. I still, feel, I still feel pretty great whenever I get like an email notification saying someone bought it. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Guys, <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. Like from three years ago when I first talked to you like during the ODW times to now, your identity has shifted. You know, maybe your skill sets and IQ and all of that stuff is similar, which is similar to me. I'm like the same guy from five years ago. But my expectations of what I do and like my patience with the journey and all these things have shifted. So, of course, I have 22 paying customers when I launch something. That's how I feel about you. Of course, you have founded paid customers for a tool that really works and that's like really cool. But I think it's still important to realize that, man, 
a lot of people are fighting the fight. Yeah, There's I mean, it's not are. easy. Like the thing is, like I was thinking about it the other day, like, you know, let's say whatever, something happens to AudioPen for whatever reason, it shuts down, or I get bored of it, I sell it to someone or whatever reason, I get sued and I have to shut it down, whatever it may be. If I'm forced to build another product tomorrow, I don't think I'd be better off in terms of my strike rate. I think I'd still have to swing a few times to find yeah. that hit. So like it's one success. Yes, it, it kind of benefits you because it it kind of makes people trust you more like you know potential customers feel like okay this guy knows what he's doing so right. I'm, I'm ready if you have a proven track record of success that helps like for instance if like levels io or yeah. you know one of the other guys launches yeah peter yeah, levels or, or danny postman yeah. launches something today everyone knows it's legit like they'll go and at least try the free version before buying it whereas if someone else launches something that might be better than their product but that person's not known or doesn't have like a track record, you might be averse to even trying it. Right. So other than that difference, which is your reputation, the odds of you actually making a product that people love, I don't think are significantly higher. No. Like I don't think Agreed. if I go and build a new product, there's a higher chance of it succeeding. Agreed. So, um, yeah. I think the subtle differences are the sort of intangible lessons you carry from one product to the other and your internal growth that you have because, you know, like you said, you don't get frustrated when you go back to swing again the first time you don't hit because you're like, that's just part of the process. I have unbelievable patience now compared to five years ago. Yeah. Because I know that it's not a game of, like you said, every time hitting it, you know, but it's a game of batting average, which means you just have to be patient, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, almost, I, it, it's, all, it's almost an unfair advantage, man. Like, if you like what you're doing, it's yeah. it's a proper unfair advantage. Like I, yeah. like, I honestly don't, like, I'm happy this thing's made money for me. So, right now, I don't have to worry about my credit card being charged every month and, you know, having to pay that bill at the end of the month from my salary. But, like... I would still like if this grows too big and it starts annoying me in terms of like, you know, I need to service customers or whatever. I might just raise the price so I don't get new customers or something yeah. like that. So I can just yeah. go back to building stuff without having to deal with the stuff that I don't enjoy. Right. Um, but like, it's just a crazy unfair advantage. Like Whatever it may be, if you figure out what you like to do, you can just play the long game and eventually you will hit gold. Like there's no... You will hit gold. It. So there's this school of thought that I've been talking about and kind of riffing on, which is this, like, I don't know if you follow the NBA, but like this, this guy, Steph Curry, who I love. And I think so many founders can learn from, actually, a lot of people, not just founders, but like can learn from his style of play. And, you know, he, every time he steps on the court, he is, you can tell that he's having the most fun in the building. It's not the guy in the stands, not the guy who's with the date next to him. It's not the guy, not any of the announcers. Nobody is having as much fun as Steph Curry is having with the basketball. You can see this because he does circus shots. He does like some like ridiculous tricks and shots before the game. And he shoots like more three-pointers before the clock started, which doesn't count, of course, right? Than in the real game. But he's always running. He's always like, you know, doing his like, you know, his like, you know, whatever, uh, his, his, his style of running. And when I see him, I realize that there is a sense of joy that he experiences that transcends the scoreboard and how many points he made each game. Ironically, yeah. He ended up becoming the all-time three-point shooting status, like the greatest ever. I think he's crossed the 3,000 three-pointers, which is the greatest ever. But to me, I don't think he really cared about it. And that is where the magic, like what we were saying earlier is, you know, and so when you want to really be a founder, be a builder, especially a builder, because if you're a builder, the game is so much of a one-player game, right? You're just building it. There's the product. There's a business case you're trying to solve for. Just build it, you know? Yeah. And you really have to find joy in that journey. You know, I what, mean, what? And, and like, because we live in 2023, um, the added advantage is like, it's super cheap to build as well. Like there's, yes. you don't need to buy like servers to keep in your house. You don't need to hire a bunch of engineers. You can can I say some other thing? I want you to clarify this for, for listeners who might be wondering. Luis Pereira is in Goa, India. I don't think he has any unfair advantage over anybody who is in Berlin, 
or Atlanta or Russia or whatever. Also, I don't think you're like Seth Godin level marketer, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> I, know that you're, I know that you're self-aware to admit that. But the crazy thing about you is the fact that it, you build in public. It naturally is, it lends itself to marketing. Yeah. I mean, at least in the early days, it's, it's very useful. So something I've been thinking about um, for a while is I think people like watching other people taking risks. Um, of course. Similar to, you know, how you go watch a game or whatever it may be. Yeah. You like the excitement of somebody trying something that might fail and that you kind of respect that person for at least trying, yeah. even yes. if they fail. And so that kind of lends, lends itself to, you know, people being almost like cheering for you to win yes. because they know that you could fail, but at least you're giving them entertainment and education while you're trying and maybe inspiration as well. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, in the early days, it really helps because people feel like they're part of the process. They feel like if they cheer you on, you could win. Right. And I think humans in general are nice. Most humans are nice at least. As long as you have you have those kind of folks on your Twitter, you should be at an advantage. I think that's that's where, you know, of course, the building public philosophy and like all these things that I've been talking about and I've been trying to get more people to, you know, give it a shot, right? They'll be surprised because if you're on the sidelines, you're never going to see the power of the taste of this. You have to really put yourself out there, break out from your shell a little bit. And with you, I think it was just so natural to you, which I'm really happy about, you know, like you just are the kind of person who's like, all right, I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah, I think Let's off late, that. I've been feeling like I'm sharing too much. Like I'm talking about audio pen too much, but it's it's basically all I'm thinking about. So I like I don't schedule my tweets or I don't yeah. try and like write them to optimize anything. I just try and say what I want to say or like share something that I want to share. And, and like at the, the only planned thing is I try and make sure there's a link to the product in the tweet. So in case somebody finds it interesting, they could at least go yeah. to the product rather than having to come yeah. to my profile. You want to hear another funny thing? So all of, most of your products, when you put them out there, I try to be one of the first customers. You know, it's like one of my weird, like, not just you. I just want to be a first customer for as many of my friends and friendlies. It gives me a joy. With this one, ironically, I, I think I bought some of your dumb shit too, by the way. Which you know, right? I bought <laughs> yeah. And I no regrets. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine. But also, what's the power? What's the, my, my whole philosophy is like, What's the point of having money if you're not like having fun, right? Like that's like my version of, I guess, uh, whatever, like, you know, uh, partying. But anyway, so the, with audio pan, it's funny that you said that, you know, you've been tweeting a lot or you feel like you've been tweeting a lot. The first one week, I think I missed some of the tweets and actually didn't see much of it. I remember oh. the tiny tools aspect and I thought yeah. it was one of the many tiny tools on your website. I didn't think of that. I guess I missed a few tweets here and there and then I just didn't see the .ai website and anything. So I actually missed the whole wave of the first 100 customers probably. And I bookmarked it saying, okay, I'm going to get back to this in a while and I'm going to check it out. Because I was like, this is cool, but I don't know what I'm paying for unless I test it out. So I'm, like, I'm going to get to it. It took me five days to get to it. And by the time I think you hit like 150 customers, I'm like, I'm like why am I, why am I, my, the narrative in my head is like, I'm forgetting this shit constantly because I'm doing other things. I'm busy. So one Saturday, you made another tweet and that was the day I was free. I was like, okay, Louis, I got to do this for you, man. So I just went and spent some time with the, playing with it. The moment I played with it, I was like sold. I didn't even look at how much the price was, was $19.29.50. As long as it's not breaking the bank, F this, I'm going to buy it. And you know, when I bought it, I took a screenshot and I yeah. put it on Twitter, which was retweeted by Robert Scoble and a bunch of other people. That went viral. And then I got four DMs from other like investor friends, a few other people from on deck and so on. They were like, KP, I'm buying this. You know, thanks for sharing this. So the reason I'm saying all of this is because if you just start on Saturday morning, maybe I'm tweeting too much. Maybe let's give a break. I'm not going to talk about Indian Bollywood movies for a week. <laughs> you would have like lost the wave of people yeah. um, who wanted to be in. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping that Twitter's not hoping, but I'm expecting Twitter's algorithm to like not show all my tweets to all my followers. So I'm guessing everyone sees maybe one every four or five yeah. tweets. So yeah. I'm I'm telling myself that and just honestly, I usually just tweet what's top of mind. And at the moment, for the past like five weeks, that's literally all that I've been doing. I, I mean, that's what you're doing. I mean, that's anything else. I feel like that's the beauty of building in public though, right? Like it's it's just what's up, right? Like there's nothing much, like no one can live eight interesting lives in the same life. Like you, you just live in the chapter where it's called audio pen and all you have is about that, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I used to feel that initially when I joined on deck because I had all of these people, some of these like Gary Tan follows me on, you know, his vice yeah. CEO. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm like annoying too much. Like, I respect Gary Tan. I want to be, I want to bring him on the podcast someday. I don't want him to think that I'm a complete maniac. But at the same time, who gives a shit? I want to be me. You know, and I know Gary's, if he really doesn't, if he really feels it's too noisy, he'll unfollow and I won't take it personally. You know, ironically, nobody's unfollowed me. And I think I tweet a lot, a lot. So it's just, you know, it's just, that's how yeah, it is. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. It is what it is. I don't want to put too much thought into the whole Twitter strategy. I just tweet what I want to say and see what happens. That is the best strategy, by the way, right? That's like Peter level strategy. Like, if you just watch his stuff, he just doesn't care. You know, it's yeah. all like whatever comes to mind. I wanna, I wanna actually try that on LinkedIn as well. I, I don't use LinkedIn at all, uh, yeah. but I like I, I went on on there a couple of days ago, and today again, just to search like audiopen.ai, and I've yeah. seen a bunch of people that have like posted about it. So. Like I see the use of the product in like their lives and I want to like go there and, and kind of start building in public there as well. I have no idea how to do it because all of my connections there are from like the startup world back in Delhi or like my consulting yeah. life before that. Um, and like my yeah. college friends who are like academics, they have no idea I do this stuff at night. They'll just be like, what the hell happened to this guy? But I might start. Yeah. Let's see. So that brings me to the, there's two more questions I want to ask before we wrap up. One is balancing this day job and this nightlife of being a builder. A lot of people that I talk to who are either on the podcast or I talk to like the fellowship and so on, they're like constantly so frustrated that they have to live two lives and they just can't wait to go full time. They just can't wait. And I feel like you're one of the few anomalies that I've seen who's actually made peace with this. And yeah. instead you're going on the offense and saying, it's okay. I'm going to be like this for a while. So tell me about that. Wow. Um, so my day job is like, I, I work with the family business here. So like, it's not some, it's not a job that I can like, you know, quit and leave. But at the same time, it's a job that I can design to like suit my lifestyle. So I'm kind of fortunate like that. Like I can imagine if someone's like an investment banker, they've probably got no time for anything else. Their brain is just fried throughout their day. For me, it's not like that. Like the, the day job kind of, it ebbs and flows. Like when there are new projects that we're doing, um, it's extremely hectic. So then yeah, the online life takes a hit for a few weeks or months. And when there aren't any, you know, brand new projects that we're building, things there are like sort of slower. So I can, I can kind of balance the two. Like there were a couple of weeks this month where both sides of life were crazy. That was horrible. I would not recommend it. I lost a lot of sleep. Like I think it was up till last, like early last week, just barely sleeping, just working my ass off during the day and at night. But now, fortunately, again, I feel like the day jobs calmed down a little bit for this, the last three or four days. So I'm able to catch up on sleep and work on this stuff at night. But yeah, I, I, I'm just privileged that because I work with with my own business and my family's fairly like understanding as well, I can kind of design around around things. So for instance, if I have a product hunt launch next week, I'll probably just take the day off work and focus on that for that particular day. I mean, I know not everyone is in that position to do it. But yeah, I mean, for me, that's it's a blessing. Um, it gives me like stability as well. So in case like the online life, you know, I'm swinging and missing too many in a row. Uh, that gives me like a nice source of income as well as like, it makes me feel good because I'm working on things that are working, you know, like not working on things that are 
sort of failing all the time, which which happens a lot on the internet. So yeah, it's an it's a it's an interesting balance, man. It's a it's an interesting yeah. balance. They're both yeah. very different worlds. They don't touch each other at any point. Right. Like that's a completely right. offline business. This is completely online. I struggled with that for a while. You know, I think I had to get wrap my head around the fact that it is what it is, and what choices do I have, and what constraints can I play with? You know, I was like. I didn't have a green card for a while and I was on this H1B visa train and that took me to jobs that I just didn't enjoy and I was like, oh, I'm stuck. But I realized, you know what? I still have an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening and I can control those two hours. That's how I got, got in touch with all my no-code friends like Ash, Ash Wesley and these people. We were like building this, you know, no-code mastermind thing before on deck and, you know, you always have a choice even in like the, like most imbalanced situation i think you, you can dig yourself out of that hole yeah i mean it's very it's very easy to kind of lose perspective on life by looking at how other people are living their lives right like, yeah it's very easy to kind of forget that you and your situation are still unique and you yeah. need to optimize for that situation for not that, for yeah. someone else's goals or whatever it may be right they might they, they'll obviously they'll show you all the highlights um, <laughs> right and you'll think that that's all that there is yeah I mean, typical instagram story kind of stuff exactly um, it's, it's, but yeah it's, it's, it's nice yeah. to just step back and kind of optimize for do, your own do, yeah just do you and then do do what's possible for you i mean like there's another thing too like a lot of people are like so desperate to not just desperate in the sense that they're desperate like they're trying to reenact the lifestyle of peter levels or whoever like take an example like that who's like 15 hours coding and building and shipping and but maybe in your situation it's only an hour a day you know and that's for an hour you can can you be peter levels for an hour you know, for example or can you be like whatever you know beginning example and I was like that and I have a lot of patience in that. I have like a lot of empathy and patience for these people because for three, four years, I was just like an hour a day. I mean, the good day. news is that like an hour today is, is like helps you do a lot more than an hour maybe six years ago would just because of how the tools have evolved. Uh, yeah, today like the, the whole the leverage, the tools yeah. leverage. Like it's yeah. crazy. Like the kind of stuff you can do. Like I was just mind blown with like OpenAI's APIs. Like just using them was just like, what the hell? Like this is ridiculous. Like I didn't, I didn't think they would be that crazy. Like when I started using, but like wow. those things just, like, they've just made it so much easier, like 10x, 100x easier in some cases to build stuff that's valuable. Um, whether AI is good or bad for the world is a different argument. Yeah. But like if, if you're just building small tools online, like it's insane. So tell us, as we wrap it up, tell us like about your non-obvious observations in this journey, you know, from 2020 to now as a founder, as a builder, serial maker, what were some things that you learned that were like not very obvious back then? A couple of things. I mean, I've learned the hard way. One is it's sort of, it's very important to think of like the maintenance cost of projects that you're building. Mm -hmm. uh, by cost, I don't mean the dollar cost only. I mean like the sweat that you have to put to keep a project running, whatever that may be. Like, so for instance, I had dabbled in the world of writing when I, before I got into no code and even after just realized that being an online writer is a lot of work that doesn't ever reduce. Right? Like you can, yeah. if you have one follower, if you have, you know, 1000 followers, it makes no difference. You still have to write for whatever, 20 hours a week. I maintenance cost is very high. Similarly, if you're, if you're trying to build like a productized service, same thing you get a customer you've still got to work it doesn't it doesn't scale without added effort so that's just one thing i sort of learned the hard way where i slogged for a while on a few projects and then figured that okay when i build new projects i need to make sure that the maintenance effort required from my side is low because i'm aware that i i enjoy the process of building not the process of maintaining so i need to only build products that can maintain themselves mm. yeah that was one another non-obvious thing would be probably what i shared earlier that like you just can't predict what will be a hit like it's impossible like every time i think an idea is genius i go and buy a damn domain spend whatever eight dollars on it get excited, build it, launch it, and then just watch it slowly fail. So like just build 
build as much as you can throw what you can at the wall and and see what sticks and then double down on that yeah it sounds i feel like that's advice that people will not heed unless they actually go through the pain themselves of like building yeah. a bunch of products yeah. and not letting go of them because hey it's just one more day away from being amazing because i'm going to yeah, add exactly. a feature uh, like, oh it's yeah. just one feature away right yeah exactly <laughs> i had it yeah you know, one feature let's go awesome man anything else you want to add or what, what are you going to No, I mean nothing else. I'm happy to chat about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, just thank you for having me and for and for sort of introducing me to the world of no code back in uh, in 2021 as well. You know, I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful for the fact that our paths crossed. And I remember actually, if you you know recall, it's something I actually wanted to share with you privately, but I'm you know in the building public ethos. You remember we had a call where I was driving and we yeah. had a video call, and then we were talking about this maybe last year newsletters, and I was. My frustration at the time was like, Louis, how do I get to be more consistent with writing, long form writing? And which, you know, lo and behold, I have some good news. I feel like I finally cracked the code on that one. I'm grateful. I had 32 long form publishing uh, pieces this year. You know, I mean, not this year, but like last six months. Cool. And I've been loving it, really loving it. And like to your point, there is a maintenance cost, but like you have to really go into it knowing that this is the cost. Yeah. No, I mean, if you enjoy, if you enjoy the process of doing it. Exactly. Um, then like go for it like for me yeah. writing was just becoming more of a pain than like it was taking away time from building but, i enjoyed yeah. building a lot more so i was like okay i got it but, but it's also interesting that. how like now i'm not building as much so i think that has replaced or that has that void has been replaced by the long form writing you know so it's interesting how i think maybe there's like they're correlated or something maybe like one of them you can only do one at a time probably but i've been enjoying writing long form i thought you would like to hear that like finally yeah that's good lab. that's good to know i mean i've i've not given up but i've i've not been writing off yeah. late the, you know the, there's three specific things i'll share about what was what was the like sort of the turning point or inflection point that got me number one i stopped this is that sounds so cliche but i genuinely stopped caring about subscribers it was like hard to let go hmm. and i think since i started i probably have lost more subscribers than i gained but it doesn't matter i've you know so i genuinely stopped so the narrative i've been telling myself is that for a year I am a apprentice writer. I'm not going to care about I'm not there yet to even like say oh I'm going to measure the followers or whatever. So that liberation has been really helpful. The number 2 is I'm really attaching a lot of meaning and proud uh, pride to chipping a piece, not how many paragraphs, how many words, how many syllables and all the bullshit. Like I just want to convey an emotion that's not a tweet so that's why it's called long form but i genuinely sit there and then i let the writing process dictate how long it should be and this is a pain because in the past i used to think oh i got to write like david perel eight paragraphs now i'm like screw that i'm going to write like me so sometimes that's four paragraphs sometimes that's 10 you know hmm. that was like another the third thing is publicly committing to a cadence like i think i'm very much a person who's like gets embarrassed very quickly or publicly so i care about public perception a lot i think so i publicly just said hey every wednesday i'm going to ship kp's column and newsletter blah, blah blah and then that's up ironically there was a day there was a week that i missed nobody cared but something about me wanted to just go back and just ship it anyway so i i i got back from the skip uh, got it to streak again so yeah and that's cool i mean writing is very difficult work most people think it it's easy it's it's no. writing is definitely a lot more difficult than building um, writing yeah. a good piece is, is even more it's hard yeah difficult right? writing is yeah i mean that's that's so true i think that's another thing i think mismanaged or misleading expectations was probably what 
I had a struggle with. I assumed that writing was just like. I mean, I hope audio pen helps in some way. Like I, I've been meaning to write with it, but like I have like mixed feelings about AI generated content. But I feel like audio pen is an interesting middle ground. It kind of helps me structure my thoughts, so I can ramble at it, and you know, it gives me like at least you know, let's say a three paragraph sort of yeah. structure, and then I can go and write from there. From um, there, yeah. Rather than trying to structure my thoughts internally. That's by the way. That's why that's my current um, you know sort of curiosity for the next few weeks. Because there there will be some weeks where I'm gonna be busy. I'm like I'm trying to do a lot of drafts in AudioPen. So the week that I'm really busy and don't have time to write a brand new draft, I'm gonna copy this text into my newsletter and then you know rearrange it or rewrite it from my voice. Yeah. and uh, hit publish so yeah, you could also you... like eventually i do want to figure out a way to let people train audio pen on their own writing so wow. if you have let's say you know 10000 words written somewhere you could basically yeah. feed that to audio pen so it would write in your own style uh, wow. that's still a few weeks away maybe a month right. or two away i don't know but i want to do that so that kind of shortens that. that yeah let's see yeah let's see that's awesome cool man thank you for being here appreciate cool. you and yeah wish you all the best for having me your uh, make a trajectory thanks kp it was, it was yeah. fun Cheers. Have a good one. Yeah.